Well, if while we're distracting, we have the opportunity to yoink some things, then we can yoink them. But I'm not going to prioritize items over our lives. I mean, we can't be poisoned anyway. It's it's a fresh batch. (laughs) Well, and what is this? It's a green. It's a green goop. Fairly dry <laughs> Yeah, it looks exactly like it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, dead driders all have giant metal shoulders. And mini guns. And chain yeah. guns, yeah. I was waiting. I wasn't sure what it was going to okay. be. I just listen, knew it was going to be something here. painful. Are you say- and it's green, you say? Uh, well, it's kind of light greenish. I have and, no and, cultural references yeah. telling me this could be a bad idea. Chapter 214. Pun damage and overthinking. Okay. So, we are back with the main party. And you guys had explored deep into the gnome home. And had uh, found all sorts of crazy... What's the craziest thing you can recall running into in the gnome home? Um, All the puns? Oh. Actually, that's not crazy. That's just gnome. But yeah. (laughs) The repulsion sphere? Okay, yeah, the, yeah, there's repulsion spear that was just kind of... And we out. had some sort of innators. What were mm-hmm. they? Like in the bowling alley or something? The pininator, stuff like that? Oh, the... Yeah, what were those? They were, they were like... Like a mininator? Yeah. yeah, the Crushertrons. That's, yeah, yeah that's what Yeah, yeah Beverly and Wesley Crushertron. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and I do appreciate you actually getting that joke there, Drew. That, that was uh, warm the cockles of my heart. And uh, you guys had made your way up... Out of the main hallway there that had the laboratories and, of all things, kind of a strip mall on it. And very oddly, you had come to a set of stairs that came up out of the main hall that had been paved over. You could you could kind of see the, like the edges of the stairs, but someone had paved it over to make it a ramp. And that had led to a landing... And there was a crossbow that shot at you, uh, but you were able to deathly avoid that. And then there was yet another one of these ramps up into another room that had on its north uh, east corner a patch had been put into the wall there, as if you know to fix a crevice or a crack or something like that. But it was pretty substantial; it took the whole corner up. And then you had just the first two of you had just come around the corner. And we're looking up the ramp stairs to your right. And at the top of the ramp stairs, there was a creature at the top. And from the waist up, it was a gnome. But from the waist down, it was a spider. Oh, that's right. The gnome drider. The nighter. The grider. Yes. And you and Noan had just stepped into the landing room there. And I don't have a drider figure, so you can just put this at the top of the stairs there. Whoa. That's fairly dry <laughs> Yeah, it looks exactly like it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, dead driders all have giant metal shoulders. And mini guns. And chain yeah. guns, yeah. I prefer calling them Can't say gnomers. 
Gnomus. Because then the city of them is Nomer gone. Up there. No, 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 no. From Thank you, but no. Wait, is it in front of us or it's to the side? It's to the side. So Cotter and Noan in the lead of the group had just made it to the landing and heard a clicking noise at the top of the ramp stairs to their right. And sitting right there was this gnome drider. And that's where we stopped at the end of the last episode. Now, um, in the intervening time, we have had uh, a Tabaxi episode. So as always, we like to go around and uh, when we switch the groups and introduce all the characters once again. So Bryce, why don't you tell us about Cotter? Yeah. Cotter is a half-elf paladin. He's really cool. He has a suit of plate mail that he wears has a shield and a sword that lights on fire. He's... I had it written down, but I can't remember. Brown hair and eyes. Pretty average half-elf. That's what I have written down here. That's that's Cotter in a nutshell. And, uh, yeah. You know, Cotter's good at, like, talking and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm he, not. He is our resident paladin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And who, actually, which god does, uh, does this paladin uh, follow? Dianect. Dianect, yeah. We haven't mentioned that in a while. Okay, very good. And next up is Jade. So, Melanie, can you tell us about Jade Claw? Sure. Uh, Jade is a tabaxi ranger who can shoot really well. And that's about it. And what is what does this tabaxi ranger look like? Uh, bright green eyes. Pretty sure. Black coat. And what terrain Both. does she prefer? Uh, mountains, forests. Mountains. Yeah. Deserts. Yep. So she uh, she is our rel- our uh, wildlands cat there, and uh, does she ever miss with her bow? Like barely, but yes. It happened once. Yes, almost mm-hmm. never. And and yeah, the last time she missed everyone was just kind of stunned for a second. I going, think she mostly only misses if she rolls a one. Pretty much. That's pretty much the only three. Time. Three is my mm-hmm. lowest oh, usually. Okay. Very Stop good. rolling three. Yeah. <laughs> And start rolling 17s and 18s, because that would help get you loose of the crowd control. 30. <laughs> okay, and Owen, why don't you tell us about Arlen? Arlen is a half-elf sorcerer. Um, right now, he is wearing typical adventuring clothes, but, like, make it farm. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> he has overalls and short blonde hair, right? Yeah, well... He's, Probably overalls under a cloak, let's be real. He, he's wearing these gorgeous, um, flowing, sorceress robes. And a straw hat. Yeah. And a straw hat. I like yeah. that. Do you have a piece of hay in your mouth? Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it's perpetually there. Nobody knows why. Spellcasting focus is the piece of hay in his mouth. Go. That's excellent. You know it. The hay one. You know it. <laughs> no, it's actually my familiar. Um, hey there. He uh, has a tattoo of a tree on the back of his left arm that is like shoulder to wrist at this point like it is it started really small and now it is not small anymore and right now he can cast second level spells at this point yeah yeah but he can use any spell slots he wants which is fun yeah yep because he's got a lot of Um, energy fifth level darkness and he hopefully probably doesn't explode haha Hopefully, yeah, that huge uh, side quest you guys had to go through will cure him of his exploding problem. Very good. And, Drew, why don't you tell us about Kraval? Kraval is a bronze dragonborn. 
He is uh, our, currently only our only multi-class character. He has four levels of barbarian and nine levels of cleric. He follows the god Nawada, a god of war, which is his domain. He is an older dragonborn. He is uh, covered in ritualistic scarring that uh, live, gives him benefits within the dragonborn clans. He's known as the war leader. Well, scars with benefits. He, yeah, scars with benefits. He uh, prefers to move without armor, though he carries a large glaive with that has been fashioned from the dwarves of Farron Mons. He spends most of his time um, trying to keep the party alive through buffs and through uh, well-timed spells that help tilt the balance one way or the other. Uh, at this time, he has two adopted brothers within the party, uh, Noan the monk and uh, Cotter the paladin have uh, been adopted into his family. And he recently has helped the Dragonborn reclaim their lost honor in battle and has helped secure their homelands as its own province. Yeah, very good. And speaking of Noan, Matt, why don't you tell us about Noan? Yeah, I get to go after that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, Noan is a, a tiefling monk, uh, kind of tall and lithe, has a ponytail, reddish tint to the skin, one horn, the other was broken in battle. Um, and no one is very speedy, therefore is mobile and lethal, and is actually the uh, storyteller to the Snowowl clan of Dragonborn. Very good. And finally, Jesse, why don't you tell us about Adri? Yeah, so Adri is a half-drow monk. Uh, she is from the same monastery that no one is, uh, but she chose to follow the path of the shadow um, and is sort of like a mix between a monk and a but uses a bow and arrow which is not a monk weapon typically but i seem to be able to use it as one um well you they got those bracers of archery yeah, yeah that helps yeah, that allowed that you helps. to do that yeah. yeah um and uh i don't remember if i had said this during a time when we were recording but i have a plan um to multi-class adri uh, she's starting to really get into the shadow arts and is finding a lot of uh, benefits with her natural skill set so uh is going to start following some sort of assassin path yeah so shadows as, with benefits yes <laughs> as as we continue to gain experience yeah uh, that, that is uh quite exciting and can't wait to see that uh, and adri is uh potentially in line for what oh that's right oh my gosh it's been a bit since we played uh with that yeah uh Pretty good chance. I think we've all agreed. Um, there is a barony that is in need of a baron, and uh, Adri is planning on stepping up to fill that role. Yeah, so ex-Colbarium Khalees has been crushed uh, internally and externally, and uh, they are in a vacuum of power, and they've asked one of the heroes of the realm here to step in as baron. So when the whole sordid uh, mess that is this uh, campaign is over, uh, one of you will have to fill those shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so and right, so, right now, everyone's like, not it. And with my <laughs> reluctancy, though, from being a noble in my past, um, I'm hoping to better the world in a position of power such as that. Which will be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. So that is the group. And once again, you are deep in the hillside, mountainside home of the gnome tinkers. They apparently put their workshops and so forth deep into the mountainside here the actual town itself was was outside and you have wound your way deep into the innards of this and have just come around the corner and seen that so um 
no one caught her you heard the clicking noise at the top of the ramp you look up there and here's this creature that's gnome uh, from the waist up and spider from the waist down uh, what are you going to do what actions are it what actions is it taking well right now it has just appeared at the top of the ramp okay so that that's where we are at this point you know, you're looking at it, it's looking at you, you both look pretty surprised. I'll, like, ready the shield and, okay. like, just see what it does at the moment. And I'm moving to the side of, of Cotter so that we're both facing down the hallway. Okay. And I so just, you're, you're I just, I, I ask it and I say, can we help you? And the a little kind of gnomish voice, it says... Um, the question is, can I help you? What are you doing here? And I look to Cotter and kind of elbow him. And you're the leader. I say, you understood him? Is yeah. it speaking she gnomish? Was, she was speaking in common. Oh. oh, never mind. I assumed gnomes would speak gnome. That's a good point. Yeah, she was speaking in, in common. We are looking for a smoking cave. And... She kind of um, gets this almost deflated look on her face. And actually, at this point in time, Noan and uh, Cotter, why don't you roll for me either perception or investigation? And what are the rest of the group going to do that's still down the hallway there? Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming we can hear that they're talking to someone, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would like to... I don't know if I can just step back there Certainly, or if no i can just there. okay then yeah then i'll just i'll move this, my way into the room but and, kind of keep and Adri, it you look back. up there and there's this gnome drider at the top of the stairs which has got to be just a little terrifying to you that is a little freaky yeah where am i in the, you're still very, the very very back, back. Yeah. you're in the hallway and i i'm i'll kind of turn my head and say there's a gnome drider here i see that thank you and she timely out to the hallway of people. And so uh, what did you get on your perception checks there? 22. 15. Okay. And you both notice that um, now that you've had a chance to perceive uh, her a little better, that the bottom spidery part, now that you've actually looked at it, is mechanical. Hmm. It's a mechanical contraption. And um, Could- Cotter, with your better perception there... Um, you notice that the gnome parts of her body, her head looks pretty normal for uh, basically an aged gnome. Uh, she's probably, in human terms, like in her late 70s. And But the rest of her body is kind of shriveled up. And in fact, her arms are kind of bound across the front of her body. And you know how when someone... Um, loses ability to move their arms they kind of curl up and then emaciate they're both like that and then actually bound physically across the front of her chest um can i see just with my knowledge of growing up in the underdark and around driders at least the lore of driders Mm -hmm. could i see if i know anything about mechanical driders there is no such thing okay driders are created by the dark mistress as punishments Right, so, and so I, this is she appears to just have a spidery sort of mechanical contraption that she's riding in. Interesting. So I don't get the sense that this is like a rider. It's just a gnome right. with like a spider. A, mm-hmm. 
anything. So I want to say, hey, um, you don't look too comfortable there. Uh, anything we can do for you? And she says, I am quite comfortable. But here, um, how many are there of you? Six. Ah, she says, why don't you come up here and join me for a refreshing meal? And we can discuss what it is you're doing in my home. Um, I said vibe check. <laughs> um, can can what, I see? That's what if, all the kids do these days. Yeah, I mean, does she seem like sincere, or do well, I get the sense that this do, is do, pretty sinister? Do an insight check. Oh my gosh! Uh, off to a great start with an eight. Um, seems to be totally sincere to you. All right, all right, let's follow them. Yeah, well, I'm can. always a little suspicious. I don't trust where they say, so what kind of meal? Um, well, I have a basic sustenance that I have here. Um, perhaps uh, you would like to see? I say, well, no offense, but on our journey to get to this spot, we've encountered many creatures whose sustenance would be us. So please understand if we're a little suspicious. Oh, well, don't worry. This is entirely organic and entirely uh, meat-free. And she starts, basically, the legs start going, and she just basically rotates in place until she's facing away from you, and then disappears back into whatever the flat area of the landing is behind her. So do we go? I mean, is is the room that we're in, is there no other exit but where she was? Um, well, off in the corner there, there's a patched piece of wall that looks like a cleft was at some point in time cemented over, but... Uh, other than that, it's just back the way you came. And she did seem deflated when we talked about the smoking cave. So either she was bummed we didn't come to visit her, or she's like, ah, oh, someone else trying to go to that cave. Hmm. Either way, we need to get some information. Can I? I think we should follow her. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I want to poke my head at the wherever that patched piece of wall is. Yeah, the uh, the upper corner over here. Yeah. Okay. And is it like fully patched, but yes. you can tell it's patched? Yes. It, it like... it, in fact, instead of coming to a, a sharp corner, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's basically a, a blunt corner there that you know takes a you know diagonal across the end of the, the can uh, square. I, can there. I see if what's behind it? Um, it's all cemented over from from uh, bottom to top. Oh, okay, interesting. All right, yeah, I guess we kind of have no other option but to follow her. Okay, that's not entirely true. But let's, let's well, follow. yeah. But if we want to actually find, you know, what we're here for. <laughs> okay, so you guys advance up the ramp, and you can now see why that there are ramps. You you could uh, imagine that the spindly little spider tips of the the uh, contraption that she's riding in would probably have some difficulty tripping over the uh, the stairs themselves, whereas. A ramp could just, just skitter up and down without the least bit of problem. Are um, the legs that short? Because I'd imagine stairs would be better for like small points. You would get. You imagine they would get caught on the the, the edges of the steps there. Whereas there's no chance it will if it's a oh, ramp. And there there are still little bumps poking out. Mm -hmm, just okay. the tiniest ones. So you yeah. you can still grab onto those yeah. with tiny pointed feet. So that yep. makes sense. Anyway, so you advance up the ramp there, and it goes into a four-way intersection, and to your right and to your left, after 10 feet of hallway, there are doorways, and then straight in front of you, it goes for another 20 feet and into another doorway, but there's also, um, you know, basically two doors set at 90 degrees there, but she goes straight forward, 
and goes to the end one and, and opens it up. And well, and by opening up, a little arm comes out of the body of the conveyance that she's in and just goes up there and turns the, the knob and, and, uh, and then folds back into the body of the conveyance. Does it come with a holo projector and a it does not. message from an alien princess? It does not. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. And uh, opens up into a, a 20 by 30 foot space. And this is actually a dining room. Um, it is a dining room. Uh, but it's unlike any that you have seen before. Um, around the table in the middle there, there are numerous tubes that hang from the ceiling above the metal table. Uh, in the corner, there is a mechanical cabinet that has two narrow rectangular openings, one above the other. Uh, what the function is, you can only guess at at this point in time. Although the badge in the front says, Cetatron 1800. Uh. Like maybe it will set the table. And uh, so she kind of walks around the table to the far end, and then the legs on the contraption kind of lower down so she's at a proper distance for uh, sitting. And uh, one of the mechanical arms kind of comes out again, and she it kind of waves around and says, Please, please, sit, sit. Enjoy yourself. I'll have a seat. Okay. Yeah, I will too. And, um, and then no one? Yeah. As um, it... Uh, you sit down, all of a sudden from that cabinet, a dish just goes clunk and comes firing out. And uh, roll me a d20. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. Wonderful. That was a one. Um, okay. Does yeah, you get so, a plus four because I'm nearby? Uh, nope. Oh, it's not a saving throw. Um, and so you sit down and um, the dish comes flying out and uh, actually... It comes right for your head, and we'll consider this to be a missile. So, can you use your catch missiles oh, ability? Yeah. yeah, let's see. I can deflect, deflect missiles. missiles yeah. so it's a, it's me... just a key point to catch it. So, yeah, let me. But I can. There's deflect and the catch. So, yeah, I reduce the damage by one d ten, and I'll I'll expend the key to catch it. Okay, and so no one just kind of. Reaches a hand up and thunk grabs it like a, a frisbee, and puts it down. Um, and then, um, are the rest of you going to sit as well? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, oh, oh, before is this I do so, I do. Somebody of this taller stature, or is this built for gnomes? Um, it is uh, built for gnomes. So you guys are all like, you know, sitting at the kindergarten table. Okay. Um, you know, with your knees bunched up around, you know, your waist, and yeah, that was my question. Was like, does yeah. it seem like she was trying to hit him with a plate, or was it just not well calibrated? Does properly? everyone want to sit sit down? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So sure. everybody, everybody that sits down, roll me a d twenty. Oh my gosh, three. Okay. It, uh, the um, plate for you lands uh, about a foot in front of you. Not exactly where it's supposed to be, but it's at least close. Another three. Okay. Same thing. It kind of almost the middle of the table. Fifteen. Your plate actually lands right in front of you. Nice. Is it just a plate? Or? It's just a well, and then and then after that, silverware comes shooting out too. But yeah. Well. And you're out of fourteen. Okay, no problem with Arlen lands uh, just in front, and then uh, Kraval. I will respectfully ask to remain standing, as the table is much shorter than I am comfortable sitting at. Kraval. <laughs> um, Kraval is a good, a good foot taller than the tallest person in the party. Yeah. It would be very hard for at such a table. And um, she, she kind of seems to understand. 
but at the same time, it's kind of awkward because you'll have to like eat standing or something. <laughs> and okay. uh, anyway, so she she uh, reaches over with one of the arms and toggles a button on it, and the plate comes shooting out. So roll me a d twenty there, Drew. Uh, flat roll of a twelve. Okay, and um, it comes up well short, so you you kind of have to reach over to the middle of the table and and pull it uh, close to you. And as you do that, uh, one of the tubes uh, extends from the ceiling and then goes to each of the plates in turn, starting with hers. And it just jets out this goo onto the plate. It's uh, vaguely light green in color um, and actually smells uh, an awful lot like a Caesar salad. Um and just kind of, it, look, it looks kind of like some green pudding sort of thing there. Um, and uh, the uh, gnome picks up her, her fork and uh, and kind of scoops it up and, does, you know, kind of, you know, presents it to you like, you know, a toast and then puts it in her mouth and, and you know, says, oh, please, please dig in. This I is, mean, we can't be poisoned anyway. It's, well. it's a fresh batch. <laughs> well, and what is this? It's a green. It's a green goop. Think, think the Matrix. Only instead of like that yellow goop, it's a green goop. Is yeah, that would be a good. This is Arlen to make asking it worse. her. Is it, uh, is, uh, well, um, this is actually an algae-based product uh, that I was able to invent for sustenance. Um, after dinner, if you like, I would be more than happy to show you the lab where I grow this. In fact, I think it would be very fascinating. Are you say, and it's green? You say? Uh, well, it's kind of light greenish. She says, I'm, I'm we, we currently working on, on getting the color changed. Is, um, can I make sure it's not green slime? Cool. How are you going to make sure? Nature oh. check? I don't know. Okay. G- give, me, give me a nature check. Uh, that's a seven. <laughs> uh, You're pretty sure it's just green goo. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm... Um, I want to ask her in gnomish, and presumably I know like current era gnomish, not like old era gnomish mm-hmm. old high gnomish old high gnomish um how well i guess to distract if anyone wants to throw their green goo under the table or something while i'm talking to her um ask her how she came to be in this part of the halls it seemed to be well abandoned and also full of enemies and and she seems to be visibly surprised and she's oh my i'm totally forgetting all my manners um yeah my name is narina um and you are I'm Adri. Wow, very, very pleased to meet you, Adri. Um, and you? No one, as I study the green glob in front of me. Yeah, I, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> and uh, she goes, kind of goes around the room there. Um, and actually, is anybody going to take a spoonful of, of the algae goo? Yeah, I have yeah no... while, while Adri starts talking, I'm going to just chow down. Yeah. I have and, no and... cultural references yeah. telling me this could be a bad idea. Have... <laughs> and Something actually, like it just is kind of... This middle of the road, um, it is, it's neither hot nor cold. It's neither spicy nor bland. Um, it's neither overly textured nor blandly textured. It's just kind of uh, there. But it does taste like a Caesar salad, hmm. which is kind of nice. That's actually better than I've heard algae yeah. described in other things. The flavors of this are a delicacy where I'm from. Oh, and she seems to be very interested. Well, I, I've been working on the flavors for some time. Uh, actually, well, after after our meal, we can take a look and, and see. I have made some progress uh, with, with my algae lab. Um, and I think you'll be most impressed. Um, but yes, um, you asked about my story. 
uh, well, it's, it's terribly tragic. Um, uh, some 50 years ago, uh, well, a few of the gnomes uh, living in Faramans listened a little too long and a little too hard to the stories of our diaspora from this place. And all of the secrets and all of the wonders that were supposed to be contained here, um, as you've undoubtedly seen, you did come up through the, the lower passages. Um, the stories, as perhaps we should have realized, have been long magnified by telling and retelling. Um, there's very little left in the lower caverns. Um, Does that mean there's another entrance? Yes, I'll, I'll get around to that in a minute. Um, anyway, we, uh, we entered some 50 years ago into the lower caverns uh, and were somewhat buoyed by the discoveries we made there, how minor they were, uh, all the same. And uh, we had made our way up here and you undoubtedly noticed the patch in the wall. Um, there was a cleft in the wall at that point in time and we uh, adventured into it uh, hoping to find yet more secrets. Um, unfortunately, what we did dis uh, discover uh, was of great disappointment to us. Uh, we had crept along into the cavern system for there's a natural cavern system that lies behind here that apparently had worn its way through into the room that we all met each other. And we made our way to the very end of it, only to find a vaulted cave full of the most magnificent treasure. And at the time, it should have occurred to us that where there's treasure, there must be a guardian. Uh, but unfortunately, our senses left us, and we became so enamored of the gold and the jewels and the artworks uh, we started exploring amongst those, only to find out that the Guardian was still there. A ferocious red dragon uh, had entered from the cave mouth behind us, um, and he breathed upon the lot of us. Uh, my companions were incinerated immediately, and I was terribly and horribly burnt, and... Uh, crept down, back down the hallway, crawling, dragging myself by my arms, for my uh, lower extremities no longer seemed to follow my commands. I crept all the way back here, and then realized that my body was beginning to fail me, um, and so collected what scraps and so forth I could, and she kind of looks down, um, created a contrivance to move myself around. Um, unfortunately, over the years, my body has continued to fail, but my uh, intellect has always remained just as keen, and I was able to, and one of the arms comes out and kind of knocks on the uh, the spider conveyance, and says, to uh, continue to upgrade my uh, systems to continue to move me about, and uh, have uh, found that I hadn't lost as much as I thought. Um, unfortunately, uh, I cannot uh, venture too far from the base. I must recharge my systems. So I have uh, contented myself with my small existence here in the old gnome home. Um, as uh, a precaution, of course, just in case the 
dragon had any minions, I went and patched that hole in the wall so that nothing could creep into the gnome home uh, behind me. And uh, here I've been ever since. And how long has this been? It was some 50 years ago that we all ventured in here. And you guys do actually do recall hearing about an expedition when you were in uh, Faramans that left some 50 years ago that was never heard of again. Are you truly content to stay here? Or would you want to join us? You could read. We could take you to your gnome uh, brethren. And, and she kind of gives you a sad smile and says, had you had come another 20 years ago, perhaps I would have wanted to go. But um, as you can see, and she kind of looks about, I'm not young anymore. Uh, I probably have only a few more years left on this mortal coil. Uh, so I'm quite content to live out my remaining days here. I've, as I said, made quite a, uh, a home for myself. Would you like company? Well, now that you mention it, um, it is very pleasant to see other faces here. It has been so long since I've seen anybody. Um, I was uh, quite shocked when you spoke to me in my native gnomish. I'd almost forgotten how to speak that. Um, but that being said, I, I could not in a good countenance, uh, you know, ask anyone up here knowing that there is a ferocious red dragon uh, just the other side of the walls here that could come out at any time and land on people coming to visit and feast upon them. Uh, no, I'm quite content to be here by myself. And what was her name again? Narina. Narina, I say, Narina, it just so happens uh, I think we're going to have to deal with this dragon of yours. Should we succeed, perhaps we can send uh, some gnomes uh, back here to uh, so that you can further practice your native tongue. Were there any family members that you left behind? Um, I had only a small family. My uh, parents had uh, both perished one after another over the course of five years due to some inventing accidents we might say um and i only had one brother um and uh, he was older than i so i, I he might still be around but uh, i kind of doubt it uh especially if he he did take after my parents in their inventing ways well then we're happy to give you some company yes for a time you. well please please eat up eat up eat up and her little mechanical hand comes out and kind of swirls the, the spoon around yeah i feel a little less okay i'll take i'll take a yeah, bite i'm pretty sure it's it's legit at this point <laughs> well no, nothing happened to anybody else that yeah uh, like, yeah nibbled on it so and like i said it's it's just it does taste like caesar salad but you know it's everything Great else texture. is just kind of Mill the road. It's not firm nor is it runny it's not uh how do we all know what caesar tastes like um, well, you go around mm. there, you might seize her. Mm. You asked for it. <laughs> okay. A and, dragon, you say? Yes. How uh, large would you say this beast is? It was, it filled the entire cave and, uh, it was not a small cave. Um, and, uh, filled us with uncontrolled fright that unfortunately for the rest of my companions only lasted a short time. So... Well, um, now that we've et, um, would anyone care for a tour? Yes. Please. Oh, well, please, please, follow me, follow me. And her spider contrance um, kind of rises up and, and says, if you'll precede me out of the room. And I'll follow. Yes. 
I'm going to stick some like goo into like my backpack. Doesn't proceed like, mean go first? <laughs> That's not a phrase you hear every day. Not precede, proceed. Yeah. Proceed, mm-hmm. like go forward. Mm-hmm. Go, go forth. Okay. And so um, you guys uh, exit the, the room and when she gets to the entrance there, she opens up uh, the door and it's a leads to a 10-foot hall into another 25, 30-foot room that goes... Uh, about 90 degrees off from this one. And is this the one directly outside the door? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And this room um, is just a mass of chaos. There are mechanical devices that whir and click and spring and spark and zap. Uh, the devices are in a constant state of motion, giving you no idea what their purpose or function might be. They have names like the Sparkatron 1800, the Weldatron 1800, which seems to have melted down. Uh, the Joinatron 1800. On a large metal table in the center of the room, there are three conspicuous items. There is a small bowl with several dozen what appear to be finger or toe bones that seem to be inlaid with gold filigree. There's a yellow duck made of some pliable material. And there's three fist-sized spheres with large red buttons on one end. And there's four metal boxes, one of which is about uh, two feet on a side. Slightly rectangular. One of them has been wrapped in white fur. And she says, come in, come in. This is my lab where I uh, experiment. Um, And here are some of the more fun things that I've come up with. And, uh, you know, uh, you might actually take some of these with you to help out. And uh, she kind of goes click, 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 click. click, And her mechanical arms come out and she picks up the uh, little yellow duck. And she says, which one of you could most use a little bit of luck. I mean, I I, I, I look What's at Arlen. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Am I just dying over here? All right. So uh, I think Arlen is the unluckiest of the bunch. Okay. And she'll, um, she uh, kind of comes over to you, Arlen, and, and hands it to you. And, yeah, it's, it's this little yellow duck. It's got kind of an orange beak. A little, it's pliable. And it seems to be hollow. Um, and she said, this is my lucky ducky. Huh. And uh, so, Arlen, you can add this to your inventory. It is basically a single-use luck point. So you can use it just once. How does it work exactly? Um, well, uh, you, if uh, you ever need to use the, the luck that's contained within, um, it just automatically happens. Um, and uh, then it's uh, just kind of... Uh, deflates and it's of no use to it anymore but it, it could perhaps save uh, you i almost fell down a chasm one time and uh the uh the duck was able to save me and and, and she looks around and says and i do believe we have some holy fighters here and she looks at creval and and uh and looks at uh, cotter and she says these actually are um items i brought with me when we first came up here and she goes and grabs the uh, metal spheres that have the large red button on one end. And she says, um, these are holy water projectors. Um, I can't lay claim to these. Uh, these actually weren't invented by me, but uh, my mother's sister, Aquina, uh, invented these back in uh, Faramans. And she hands you uh, three of those, Cotter. She says, you just push the button and throw them, and they will spray holy water in a 10-foot radius. 
And so, uh, Bryce, mm -hmm. that does um, 1d10 radiant damage to any creature susceptible to holy water, such as undead, in a 10-foot sphere. How many, again? Five? There are three of them. Three? Yeah. 1d10 holy hand grenade times three. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and then she kind of puts one of the mechanical hands down on the boxes and says, and uh, these are my um, latest project, the Coolatron 1800s. Uh, they keep everything inside nice and cool. Unfortunately, and she then goes and puts her hand on the uh, one that's wrapped in the white fur, I'm missing the one of the required elements. I require the fur of a yeti. It's unnaturally cold and keeps everything inside cold. Do Look over still... at Krival. Yeah, don't we still have some? You're missing a what? Uh, the, the fur of a yeti. See, and she put she kind of pets the fur on the, the one box that's been wrapped in white fur. I was I was able to acquire this little bit of, of yeti fur here. And you, and feel, feel, feel. She, she actually kind of grabs your hand and, and she opens the lid and puts it in. And you can just feel the inside is just frigidly cold. Is it a uh, as cold as the heart of a ice dragon? Oh no, no! But it's, it's definitely or, as cold or, as a yeti. I, yeah. I call them a yeti cooler. Well, did we bring any fur with us, or we could go get some? I forgot about that joke. <laughs> so, did we bring any fur? I know I have a horn. We got we some. we skinned it. I have a bunch. Huh. Do you want to um, provide her with some of yeti fur for her yeti coolers? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why I wrote it down. I know I have some. You, you guys basically yeah, unloaded a minivan versus of, uh, of uh, fur there yeah. when you uh, defeated the abominable yetis outside. Yeah. I'm not yeti. Not yeti do I want to give it to her, but maybe in a day or so. Not yet. As you were. Please, Jesse. Please just give him a small smack. Just one. <laughs> <sighs> I know I wrote it down somewhere, but yeah, I'll just... I'll, I'll cut off a nice size chunk that she'll be able to do deal with her other Yeti coolers and let her have it. Sounds good, yeah. And and she she is most appreciative because now she can finish them all up. And and she you know picks up one and says, "Would would you like to take the finished one with you?" And she says, "No pressure. You don't have to. It's it's only a prototype." You know what? Sure. You never know. They might come in handy somewhere. About how big is it? Maybe we'll it's find a, some fire snakes. You know, about two feet long or three feet long and two feet wide. Yeah, I mean, do we actually have a use for this? I mean, are do we, are we carrying perishables with us? I mean, things don't uh, rot in extra-dimensional spaces, do they? Like, I don't think so. Bags of holding. Well, there's they just no like air or no, anything don't. for there's that no stuff error. to grow. There are yeah. anaerobic bacteria, right? Yeah. Well, yes. you know, it might be useful to, but who's going to carry? Yeah, it? I mean, that's yeah. a that's a big thing to carry. Yeah. You, and, you and she kind of agrees and says, "No pressure. Don't, I, I won't be offended if you don't want to take it with." It doesn't doesn't fit in the bag of holding. No, no, no. it's like Baby. two by three. Yeah. So I uh, said, so "Now, too bad you can't rig this with some wheels and some sort of handle." Ah, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. I'll just take our little the, really and, and the mobile the mobile coolatron. Yeah, you, you can see the wheels in her head starting to to turn when you say that. So the wheels in her head. Yeah, just take them out, put them on the cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Does she have no, anything be else besides those? Uh, well, the only thing she hasn't actually pointed out is that bowl of what appear to be like finger or toe bones. So I'll oh. ask, what are those? And she says, "Oh, that yes. Well, I actually found these when I was looking around. Um, this was." In the old kingdom, a thousand years ago, I, I, I found out um, they actually use these as currency. These are actually 
the phalanges, the, the tip of the toes, people would go into um, to the tombs of royal people and kidnap the toe bones. And you can see they would inlay them with gold. And she picks up one of them and drops it back down there. And they would actually use them as money. Um, but obviously they didn't have any value backing them up. Um, so they were collectible, but like anything collectible, it's only valuable until people don't want to collect it anymore. And then the value crashes. Um, so they, they came into fashion for a while and, uh, then they, uh, they, uh, fell out of fashion and, you know, they should have known better than to invest it in cryptocurrencies. I was waiting. I wasn't sure what it was going to okay. be. I just listen, knew it was going to be something here. painful. I went too far. I was thinking of like individual coin names it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I say, well, I, uh, hopefully uh, the owners of these were able to sell enough for some actual true gold or, or gems before this market crashed. Yes. It's, it's hard to say. I, I did find them here and there in the lower chambers. Anyways, the Red Dragon... Ah uh, yes. Um, well, well. Let, let's continue the uh, the uh, tour, though. Um, and so she leads back out of the room, and then goes down to that four way intersection, and um, she uh, heads off to the left. And there's like a thirty by thirty foot room, and you guys realize that this is her bedroom. It's a spacious living area. Um, on the north side is a bed and a metal wardrobe. And on the south side is a device that looks like a round bathtub, complete with a shower and curtain, but which has several long mechanical arms on each side. And you realize, looking at it now, that's how she bathes. The arms must remove her from the spider contraption and, and bathe her. So it's, it's actually kind of clever, as contraption goes. I do want to ask her what the inspiration for the design of her mobility suit is. And she says, oh, well, I tried many different iterations to begin with, um, and uh, none of them really seemed to do a fantastic job. And then one day I had a spider drop out of the ceiling on me, and, and inspiration struck. And I say, that's a fascinating uh, tub you have there, but I believe you were going to show us the, uh, the works behind that fine meal. Oh, yes, yes. Um, let us take a look at that. Um, and uh, so she... Uh, you know, rotates in place, and uh, which is always a little bit um, disconcerting. And heads back out the the hallway and goes this time straight across the hallway to that other door that uh, you had passed. And this one leads into a uh, thirty by forty foot room, the biggest one you've seen yet. And the uh, purpose of the room, um, you know, it's where she was leading you, but it just baffles you. On the left side, as you come in, are increasingly large glass vessels that are connected with metal hoses. And they in turn are filled with increasingly dark green and increasingly lumpy liquid. Bright lights hover over each tank and hoses feed to the right side, which has a large irregular whirring blinking metal box with several openings of varied sizes. On the box is the title Foodatron 1800. And in the center of the room sits several rows of surprisingly um, normal, noticeable food items. And she kind of comes in and stands and, and has this um, look on her face of ta-da as she's standing next to the table. And you, can, and you can see her kind of looking down with her eyes at the table. And there seems to be like regular crackers, a rasher of bacon, some uh, wheat biscuits, 
um, some um, muffins, like uh, bulgur wheat muffins, and then some jalapenos. And she says, these are the products of my experiments. I have been able to, working with the, the Foodatron 1800, and I have been able to bring the, everything up to the 1800 level of technology. I've been able to uh, create from the algae some food items that look and smell and taste exactly like the real thing. And I've discovered that they have additional beneficial properties. Such as? Um, well, let's see here. You seem to be one that uh, treads the path of wisdom. And she, uh, you know, mechanical arm scoops up the uh, um, stack of crackers and hands them to you. And there's, there's five of them there. And she says, these are my wise crackers. Mm. And they will give you a bonus plus one wisdom for one hour. Oh, that's nice. Ooh. Does that actually plus one? Does it actually increase your armor class at all? I don't think wisdom. Oh, wisdom. Yeah, months, yeah. That's so cool. That would give me uh, a boost of armor class too. 16, 17, I think. So wisecrackers. If you yep. eat two at once, do they stack? Um, pro- uh, assumably not. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Do they stack duration? Um, you would just eat them one after another, but mm-hmm. yeah. Neat. I say this is great. Thank you. Yes, yes. And and uh, she p- scoops up the uh, rasher of bacon and says, "And who would like to uh, to do this? Are, are any of you?" Uh, well, she turns to you, Craval, and she says, "You seem to be the holy type. Um, this is my bacon of hope." Oh my God. Oh. I don't want to do this with you anymore. <laughs> Dinette cringes. I just want to leave the gnome home. <laughs> so, um, so eating this... Uh, Lead the dragon here. Eating this, Drew, um, will allow you here. to cast the Beacon of Hope spell uh, once a day. Um, and there there are two of them there, so you can use it twice. Awesome. Well, thank you yes. for this rather tasty-looking gift. Yes, and actually it smells fantastic, like actual smoked bacon, you know, the uh, the best from home. Um and and uh, which one of you is most likely to get uh, crushed in battle? Pointed Arlen. Yeah. And, and she a uh, fine crushed. <laughs> and she she picks up the uh, the uh, little uh, wheat bi- um, you know flour biscuits there, and there's five of them, and hands them to you and says, "These are my heal biscuits." And they they heal four d four plus four hit points. Nice. So they're basically a biscuit version of uh, healing potions. I need the recipe for these. <laughs> yes. And uh, then um, she uh, turns to you there, Cotter, and says, ah, oh, you, you're carrying the, the heavy armor, so you probably need these. And she hands you the bulgur wheat muffins. Um, there's three of them. And so these are my stud muffins. I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and they will give you plus one to your constitution for one hour. Aren't wouldn't you want to? Never mind. I'm trying to tell the light armor joke. If you leave the table, please take the laptop with you so that I don't have to hear it. <laughs> and then that just leaves the 10 jalapeno peppers um, sitting on the table there. What do those do? And she's I like, am just, scared to ask. She, oh, well, but <laughs> I, I suggest we all try them together. And, and she hands out one to everybody. And she, you know, hold her mechanical arm holds it up in front of her and and it says down the hatch and just you know plops in her mouth and pulls out you know it's just the stem and starts chewing it up and just has this immense smile and starts kind of giggling. I'll eat a 
guess. Yeah, Arlen, sure. Be our test. Be our test pepper. And um. and Arlen, you uh, are all of a sudden infused with a sense of uh, happiness, and you, you can notice he just starts giggling and smiling. Uh, as well, well, what are these called? These are my jalapenos. I think I it would have been. I don't funny. even know what I expected, <laughs> honestly. I think it would have been funnier if they were just jalapenos and he just got to eat something really spicy. Yeah, <laughs> just after that. Yeah, and, and, and basically, I'm pretty jolly already. Yes. So, so who all who all ate them? Uh, I'll eat. sure. Oh, okay. yeah, I'll eat one. I'm gonna put one in my bag. I will not eat one. So, so everybody that eats <laughs> no one, like you you are happy. infused with a sense of happiness, and uh, you can't help but smile and giggle a bit, and. Uh, then the, the only other thing you notice that there's a fleet of small spidery robots that are lined up against the back wall. And it's kind of interesting because like the second, the third, the fifth, the seventh, and the 11th of these 12 robots. Wait, say again. The second, the third, the fifth, and the seventh of these 12 robots. Their little eyes are lit up they're, and they're like little spiders themselves. But then the other ones, the eyes are all dark. Hmm. Um. What are what are those? Oh, th those are my delivery robots. Um, I don't quite understand why they didn't why I, they didn't function correctly. Why? Only the first why did you step into that? <laughs> this is your fault, Adrian. <laughs> no, I got I got to hear it through. I got to hear it through. Yeah. She says, "Yeah, only second, third, fifth, seventh, and eleventh ones function correctly. I don't know the other ones did. So I called them the, my prime delivery service." Oh my gosh! So where where do, uh. where does your Prime delivery deliver too. Oh, I have them deliver anything I need around this place. Can one deliver a message to the dragon? Um, never thought about that. And her little mechanical hand comes up and taps her on the chin and says, I suppose one could. Um, it would take a while, though, because you'd have to go out and find the actual cavern entrance that the, the dragon uses. Or we could just make a hole in that patched wall. Well, yes, I think that would be the most expedient way. I'm thinking we could do that and try to forge a letter from Aloal saying I'm come I've I've sent minions for for my artifact. Please stand down while it is retrieved. I don't know that she knows who Aloal is. You no, know, we could write that to the dragon who's clearly guarding one of the phylacteries. Or Aloal was like, Hey, here's a gift and it's worth a lot, so keep it and now the dragon's like, No, this is mine. I don't think Aloal would played that game anyways do we want to try to fool the dragon we've got delivery which i think could get it there within a day if you want to wait a day i mean there's obviously an unending supply of algae here for you to eat and can we look at the algae growing is it you're, ass you're assuming of course that this is the same creature that little touched and dealt with in the past that was a thousand years ago but dragons are awfully long-lived i think uh I, I don't know that when uh, Naruna, right? Narina. Narina. Yeah. I don't know that when you were mentioning the dragon from so many decades ago now, do you know much about dragons? Do you know if it was a young one or an ancient one or... I just remember it was enormous. It uh, spread its wings and filled the entire cavern. And I was so mortally afraid... I uh, quailed where I was and dropped what I was holding. And then, of course, it breathed on a lot of us. I was on the very edge and only, you know, partially affected. My companions just 
crisped in front of my eyes. Hmm. How large is the cavern that it was in? Oh, it seemed to be a hundred feet across. I take one of the jalapenos. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I might be able to throw it down the gullet of a dragon and change its disposition. <laughs> Turn it good. <laughs> Turns into a good dragon for one round. Mm-hmm. Hey. And actually, she hands you the, the remaining four of them and says, please, please, take them. I, I can always make more. All right, so I have four jalapenos. Okay. So she can grow these jalapenos? Apparently, this is what the uh, the machine there, the... Uh... Foodatron is apparently her latest experiment, trying to turn the algae into something that's other than goo. Does that make her a jolly rancher? No. No? Not even a jolly farmer. Oh, dang. Well, you do have one jolly farmer. That's true. Well, after Arlen ate his, he was a jolly good fellow. Yeah. Anywho, any other rooms that you care to share with us? Yeah, well, as you can see, um, that pretty much comprises the list of her apartments. And she says, no, this, this is my humble abode. I... Kind of made it my home here. Well, so do we want to try to fool this dragon or just go get it? I, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't know enough about dragons. Not not to assume, uh, Creval, that you will immediately know things about your... Um, kin. Kin. But do you? Do you know how dragons work? Do you have any insight for us for how we might be able to approach it? Yes. Um, of all the dragons out there, reds are known to be the most cruel. Um, they often will strike deals that favor them, and then once they get what they want out of it, we'll just more often not kill whatever he dealt with or enslave it. Um, if he's been here a while, there's always a chance that there are minions that serve under him that they never saw. They, much like all dragons, they covet their treasure. Um, even sneaking in and trying to take one item, you can rest assured the dragon is very much aware of every coin that's in his hoard, every object, every item. He knows it all. Uh, tricking it, always a possibility, but you don't attain that size without a lot of experience looking through such treachery. And you don't attain the age of one that this size precludes to by being foolish. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe a master thief could sneak in and sneak back out with an item but normally it's uh it's normally just death to even try i think somebody needs a jolly pano <laughs> i think someone should go in and burgle something there, someone there who can turn invisible there is one other thing that you have to understand about dragons, dragons have that side, just their innate magical presence will change everything inside that cavern you're not just going into a, a creature's home. You're going into the very place it, it, that it's imbued with its own power. So the rocks might be rocks. The rocks may not be rocks. It's There is a reason why we never try to attack our white dragon near us. Well, that, we were able to strike bit, a deal with that one way back it. when. It'll turn the very land against you. So how would you recommend we deal with this dragon to get our phylactery? You are expert. We can poorly make food for it. Honestly. Worked last time. Hit it hard, hit it fast, and hope we can get it down before it gets us down. Don't stay grouped together. One bla- the, the the sheer power behind their breath weapon, I mean, the, the sheer damage of it, even with our lovely host here speaking on it, does not give credit to how, much da- how damaging a force that is. 
Well, my concern... what else it might be able to do. My concern is if we do successfully steal something from it, that it might exact some vengeance, and it might come after Narina here. Oh, no. Rest assured, please don't let me lead you astray. We will either kill it or die trying. Um, that, that I don't know if we'll be able options. to kill an ancient dragon. Yeah. Hmm. Adrian, I have nothing but utmost faith in your skills. I would not send you to do this. Do you think we could give it cryptocurrency in exchange for the phylactery? Yeah, I mean, is that something uh, that it would actually be I'm interested just in? stare at him. I think it would be our cryptocurrency, if you know what I mean. I think, you know what? It's sleeping. Let's go in. Is try it? to get dragons sleep a lot, right? Do they stay awake? Our, our, honestly, our best bet, but unfortunately we can't do this, is if Arlen had that ability to magically take us places like he's talking about, our best bet would be to go in, try to find the item, get it, and just get out. Well, how long that does that take, Arlen, to do your... Uh teleportation circle he can't i said he can't do it yeah like in normal times though how long is it set up um it's one minute i believe Hmm. do we have a locate object spell yeah okay um so if it's a cavern about a hundred feet across my teleporting abilities let me do it about a 60 feet at a time and i can turn invisible which helps Though if I'm in an ancient red dragon's lair, that might not help me so much. If we have a locate object, and we're able to somehow give me that knowledge, I could pop in, pull pull little Bilbo, and and get out of there. Is Bilbo it? is the, the monk term for <laughs> sneaking. Or how about this? We still have a circulate, a circulate, circulate of circlet? Circlet? circlet of disguise. Yeah, I do. Why don't we have someone take the visage of a lowall and use a scrying bowl and demand that we get our object back? Oh, lowall wouldn't ask. A lowall would say, "I'm taking it and stand down." Because um, we can't talk through a scrying bowl. You can only view. We don't know what this dragon can do. I don't think I mean, we want we could, the dragon scrying on us. We could tr- try try that. I mean, there's no way of knowing that Alowal had a, some sort of two-way scrying with this dragon that we would be able to communicate with it. I mean, if the dragon's passed out, how is it? How would it even know that it's being... Or maybe someone could take the form of Alowal and when we enter it might give us a moment to attack first. Okay, so I do have the circlet of disguise. It is attuned to me. Um, I... I could have that be my backup. If I can't just bamf in and out, I could look like a lowell. Can the circlet of disguise do that? Could it make me look like a lowell? Well, basically, it lets you look like anything, right? Right. What was the estimate? Yep, anything you want. What was the estimated age of the dragon we fought? Like it, it the was the white dragon. Or the black dragon. Or the black dragon. Yeah. The um. Well, that was the really creepy thing about that fight was it you guys had mi- had been gone for several months from this uh, dragon's presence, and it went from a very young dragon to what would be considered an adult. Right, yeah, but like, what was it? What would we estimate it would take normal time for the dragon to become that powerful? Oh, a hundred years. And it's been a thousand years, and the dragon was already here, so. I don't know if we have the punches to take yeah. out a dragon. And 50 years ago, it filled up a cave, so it's probably mm. already pretty pretty big. 
And we're also also hearing the story of a survivor who very well may be inflating the moment and the size of the dragon in their own mind. That's possible. And was it was terrifying to her? So yeah, terrifying things do seem to be worse. The vision that that we have, though, what with the smoke in the cave, was that I I, we've probably been over this, but it's been a minute. um, That. Was that an image from a thousand years ago, or is that just an image of this is where we got to go now? It changed in between scryings, so you the the thought was that it was a contemporary image. Okay, you know because it it got snowy when it was winter time. Right. It was not snowy earlier on when it was still autumn and and summer. Okay, so it's I think we talked about this already though that like maybe it was just a treasure hoard that a dragon moved into. Maybe the phylactery was already there. But we learned from the uh, oh right 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 the right, journal, right, right, journal. Right, right, right. that a came back smelling of brimstone after going into a cave. Oh, yeah, so let's. I like your. Let's have you sneak in and at least see if you can find it. Mm-hmm. And hope I we also don't. have the cape of the Montebank if we need to super duper bamfy bam. Yeah, yeah. How many? How many people does the does that let you take with you? Just one. It can take two people or it... one person and the user. Okay. And I can I can take myself, um, so three people could potentially go into the horde. And because I'm resistant to fire and can evade, I have a greater yeah. greatest chance of surviving its breath. Okay. Or maybe even getting on. Yeah, it. I think I mean in general the monks and our higher armor class people should be the ones to be front line. I think my invisibility will be the biggest boon okay we yeah all right so my brain hurts Graval, is there <laughs> do you know of a way that we could somehow subdue this beast and force it to do our bidding perhaps if i were to like land on its head and repeatedly stab it into the skull where it could not claw me nor breathe on me i'm sure anything's possible but i know dragons the older they get have just the innate magic in them to resist certain spells or whatever they want at will. Yeah, I don't just know how decide. many times they can do it. I just know they can do it. They're some of the most powerful beings ever to have walked this planet. Do you know about their ability to, to detect someone who is invisible? They have incredibly keen senses of smell. And mm, okay. it is, while I've never sat down and talked to the white dragon of, of our mountains, it seems to me that even in the biggest blizzards, they have ability to still see where someone's at. Mm-hmm. Well, so we could all, I mean, it would be, it would be safe to assume that it has a, man, a manner of seeing people that are invisible. You don't, you don't accumulate vast wealth and vast power without having protective precautions in place. So we either, we, we're going to need to go in there at some point anyways. Do we have to do this phylactery right now? Or could we come back when we're a little bit more higher powered? I mean, we are right here. Um, it's true. And you guys have had success going in order. It will not matter Mm. if we do it now or we do it later. He will have, I mean, the best thing you could do is try to lure it out and kill it. If you didn't want to deal with whatever surprise it has in its lair. Other than that, you just deal with the lairs and again, just try to get it down before it gets you down. I like that idea. If we could have someone sneak in with the Bamfo cloak and the rest of us can taunt it and lure it out. Someone could steal a goblet and run out the cavern. Ew. We could try to evade, and the person can bamfo out with the uh, 
phylactery. Arlen has the locate object ability, right? No, no, that's uh, uh, Cotter. Okay, so what Cotter if Cotter or myself? What if Arlen could stay as some sort of lookout? No, he has the cloak though. So Arlen and Cotter, and then the monks and Creval and the ranger could be the distraction. Yeah, we can lure, we will taunt and lure the dragon out. Yeah. You three go in and locate, get the phylactery and bamf, like maybe even into wherever you can bamf. Yeah, to. as far as you can. And then the rest of us will just go as fast as we can to get out of there. And we'll do our best to either kill it or hide. Do something to distract it while you get what we're actually there for. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like a plan? There's something else. I mean, I don't want to sound like. The poor choice, a winner. But there's chances that we might want to kill the try to kill this dragon because he will undoubtedly have things amongst his horde that we could use going forward. I'm gonna if go not with the not kill, not spells, attempt to kill the a, ancient red dragon. I mean, again, again, not not to not to sound like I'm trying to be greedy, but you have a barony that you're gonna have to fund. We need items that it might have in terms of diamonds for resurrections or spell components. Well, if it's while we're distracting, about. we have the opportunity to yoink some things, then we can yoink them. But well, I'm not going to prioritize items over our lives. Well, so while we're distracting it and you're finding and, and bamfing. No, no, no. Th- They're going to find it bamf because they yeah. have the cloak and the locate Well, the bamfers well. are going to find it. The people who are distracting it are going to have to flee. We have to either the dragon will be, become bored trying to hunt everyone down, in which case only one of us may die, mm-hmm. or we have to consider the fact that we're going to have to fight it anyway. So would we want to fight it with several members gone, or do we want to just Well, we'd all be on? there. It just some of us are distracting and some of us are doing but if a specific mission. But if you're all in finding and bamfing the phylactery away, there's going to be a moment where we're going to be down a few folks. Down do you think this dragon can be polymorphed? Probably it can resist. It could probably just decide not to be polymorphed. Though well, that would be super cool. Polymorph eight times. Do we have someone who could do polymorph eight times? I can. You could polymorph you could attempt to polymorph eight times? Mm-hmm. With the fairies, right? Yeah. I can summon fairies that can polymorph eight times. I guess Wait, keep that in our back pocket. That would be useful because if it is able to resist effects if we can get it just to it, it won't be able to do it indefinitely yeah so mm-hmm. if we can use your fairies I mean, to kind of wear its endurance it. down yeah then it gives us a chance to use our other magics on it mm-hmm. i like it okay send your fairies in and try that's to... a good that's a, that's a good idea overwhelm it that's a good idea. just try to outsmart it i can do it tomorrow okay well we'd, we'd probably want to chill mm-hmm. out here and get all every key point and everything back anyways yeah. eat some slime yeah pretty tired all right, so we have two people mm-hmm. whose key mission is to actually locate the object and then get out of there, and then the rest of us are going to distract, try to get any treasure if we can, but not prioritize it. Mm-hmm. And actually, at this point in time, Narina uh, speaks up, and, and she says, um, don't take this as a criticism, but one little hole in the plan that I did notice, um, if you do leave this dragon alive, dragons... Not just red dragons, but all dragons are famous for coveting their hoard of treasure. You would have, if you leave it alive, you'll have created an enemy 
that will undoubtedly want to hunt you to the ends of the earth to get its treasure back. Then all we have to do is go somewhere that isn't the earth. Well, I mean, yes, but uh, if it's asleep, I guess we could try to kill it. I think I, I'm just, I, I am, no offense to my lovely, lovely party members, I'm just not super confident in our ability to fight an ancient dragon. Well, you have dragon phobia <laughs> after what you did to Snoop Yeah, there. I have kind of died a couple of times because of a dragon, so. You was... only partially died. Yeah, but the effects. All right, so, so if that's <laughs> the case, then died. maybe we should change that and just ambush and hit it with everything we have. And still, ha- and still have two people whose Who key can, thing is to yeah. try to find the thing. Do we actually, like, character-wise, think we can do this? Because, like, yeah. well, uh, I don't know. On one hand, you are the heroes of the realm. You know, no one's been as powerful as you, ex- except people of legend. Well, so, he has, so, yeah. so if anybody can. <laughs> well, and imagine the stories I could tell. Mm-hmm. Okay. S- especially with I the certain Red Dragon clan that's been spell. uppity. What was that? I also can only cast second level spells. This is true. Um, how how quickly have you been regaining spell spells? Is it like once per long um, rest you're getting a new level or something? It's like once per fight so far. Oh, and yeah. in fact, um, Arlen, uh, with the scare and the shock that you had with the uh, gnome drider moment, uh, you now feel like you can cast third level spells. Hey, Arlen, Ooh, you and I should fight. I, I, you know, I was actually I to my detriment dragon. thinking that was a good idea. Yeah, he just has, keep. Yeah, I mean, sh- we could hang out here for a bit. I mean, it was it was uh, Kraval clocking him in the head that got him the first level spells to All begin right. with. So, but. so let's right. do it. I'll be happy to hit yeah, you in the head. Let's let's hang out here and shoot what, fireball at me. About what time is it in in the day? I mean, it's, we're kind of in the middle of a cavern, so I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, it's, well, it's actually you, that was just the noon meal that you had okay. because you you had uh, if you remember had started at the beginning of the uh, the uh, gnome home and had been exploring throughout the day. So you still got the whole afternoon. Okay. You know. So why don't we we don't we hang out here for the rest of the day? And then in the morning, we will attempt to kill a dragon. And maybe we could spend some of today, if we can scout the entrance, because I don't want to go in through this back way and alert it to to the gnomes. Maybe we can find something like a, a stalagmite that we can drop on it or an avalanche we can plop on it. Something that's big that we can use to our advantage. Hit it in the head with a rock and pull its teeth out. <laughs> And well, the, Narina says that she only remembers just being this immensely long, mostly featureless cavern. Um, she thought it was some sort of giant lava tube by the its spherical nature and, and Spartan uh, a thing. And then it just opened up into this cavern and in uh, the back of it. And there was the dragon. So she doesn't know of any other entrance yep. to this. Uh, and in fact, the dragon came in through the entrance um, to surprise them. So, hmm. All right. Well, let's beat Arlen up and then go to bed and then go kill a dragon. All right. So I'm going to walk over and I'm going to punch Arlen. Well, actually, <laughs> while you guys are all resting and are, so are you going to chip down the wall so you can go in through the side entrance? Or? I think tomorrow. we should do that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that before we're all actually ready to leave. Okay, good. So with Arlen and uh, no one sparring... Um, That's where we're going to stop today.
Dungeon Master's Notes. And don't forget, right after the Dungeon Master's Notes is a word from one of our friends. Anyways, so, a couple of fun things in this one. First, obviously, the Drider Gnome person thing. Um, obviously, that was there to go freak out the party, that there was some sort of a strange Drider Gnome hybrid. And it worked, too. Everyone was pretty freaked out. But it turns out that it's something completely the opposite. She was definitely a benign force here. And it was kind of interesting. She had set up her whole world to function and service normally, despite the fact that she had debilitating injuries from the battle with the dragon. So it just goes to show. Um, anyway, the other fun thing, does anybody here doubt that a bard can do psychic damage with their words after what the players just went through? Um, we definitely heard a D10 of pun damage going on and repeatedly. Repeatedly to them, poor things. Uh, sure was a lot of fun on my end, though. <laughs> and then the last thing was the overthinking. Uh, now, normally, uh, we have that kind of conversation after we turn the recording off. But since they were doing it in character, and uh, since it was fascinating behind-the-scenes stuff, it was great to see the party overthinking things. Uh, that is, I think, you know, just about all the parties work. Anyway, um, the big thing is going to be what's going to happen when we get together next. The party is going to go take on this supposedly ancient dragon. Although, as I was thinking as we were going through this, they have no frame of reference. This could be an adult. This could be a juvenile. All they have is a word of one terrified gnome whose entire party was uh, blasted bits. Or it could be an ancient red dragon. We'll have to see. So, you know, good luck with that. But they have to sneak in there. They have to somehow get the phylactery, and they have to get out without having everybody get killed. Can they do it? We'll have to wait for the next episode to find out. Until then, let us know what you think. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing the world that lives inside my head. Are you looking for a D&D podcast for the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls.